You are listening to the No People Pleasing Zone. If you're ready to unlearn people pleasing patterns and tame your fears so you can stand in your power and claim the unapologetic life you're entitled to, you're in the right place. I'm Easy Martin Chan. Let's get started. I was introduced to Shel Silverstein when I was a kid in the 1970s. His writings for Free to Be You and Me have stuck in my brain for decades. I still know that Agatha Fry made a pie and Christopher John helped bake it. And I also know that some kind of help is the kind of help we can all do without. Usually classified as a children's poet, there's a lot of wisdom in his writings. He knew that kids would hear a lot of mustn'ts and shouldn'ts and impossibles. And he had something to say about that. On today's show, I'm going to turn to that wisdom to help those of us who are stuck in what I call the people-pleasing rabbit hole. You have now entered the No People-Pleasing Zone. Host Elizabeth Martin-Chan is here to pull you out of the people-pleasing rabbit hole into a world where you are priority number one. So keep those earbuds in, close the door, and claim your personal time just for you. Welcome to the very first full episode of the No People-Pleasing Zone. This is our zone. I imagine it's a time together, something akin to a sacred sister space. And I hope that's what it will come to mean for you. Do what you can to make it a time just for you in the midst of what I know can feel like a never-ending list of expectations and to-dos in your life. So find a space just for you, whatever that means in your reality. Close the world out while you commute to work. Find a quiet nook at home where you can grab some time alone. Or my favorite, lace up those shoes, pop in those earbuds, and walk out that door. Whatever it looks for, like for you, let's get started. So it's been kind of a up and down year for me. I know we've all been dealing with the very real social demands and shifts in our lives that are a direct result of the pandemic. I know the level of challenges and even for some of us wins looks different for each of us. I'm going to get a little vulnerable here. I hope I don't get choked up. I lost my mom earlier this year. It was the result of a multi-year struggle with non-smokers lung cancer. And it was just her time came. My sister and I have spent a fair bit of time dealing with her estate. And the result is we had to spend the month of July cleaning out her home. It was in many ways the best way to do it. The house was sold. We had a deadline. And we just spent time together. Just the two of us. No family distractions. We sorted. We cleaned. We reminisced and we laughed. And in a very physical way, we brought a finality to the life of our mom. 
And of course, we both kept stuff. One of the distinctions that I see between my sister and I is that she's pretty practical. She has a pretty practical view on life. And I'm the emotional one. I think that's always been true. And it was, you know, really interesting for me to watch how easily my sister could throw some things away and realize that I have what some people would say irrational attachments to things. Now, I do a lot better in this department than I used to. And much of that's related to the work that I've done on my people pleasing. And I've worked really hard to climb out of the people pleasing rabbit hole. But it's a pretty deep hole and it takes a long time, perhaps a lifetime. So I had one rule when I went on this trip to clean out my mom's house. If it can't fit in the car, it doesn't come home. Now, I didn't take my small car. I took our old minivan. So I had a fair bit of space, but I also didn't want to pack it to the top. And I sort of used that general space as my filter for my decision making. And I want to tell you about one of the items that I ended up bringing home, an old wooden stool. Now, it didn't take up a lot of space in my car, and it really is a sturdy stool. I have no idea how old it is. It's one of those, they don't make them like they used to kind of item. And it was one of the last things I decided that I would put in my car for days I'd put two items next to each other, this old wooden stool and an old metal step stool, also one of those, they don't make them like they used to, items. And I kept thinking as I walked past them, I want one of those. And I don't really even know what what the reason is. There's not a lot of logical sense to me at this time. I suspect it has something to do with being able to climb up. And there's something about that, but that's not the topic for today's, for today's show. So I brought that stool home. My mom lived 15 hours from me, and I used to do that trip in one fell swoop. I just got in my car and I would drive all the way there. I took three days to come home for a variety of reasons. And so I had a lot of time to think while I was driving and get curious about that decision. When I arrived home, one of the first things I said about the stool is, this is the stool I pushed my sister off of. It's true. And it's also a really weird thing to remember and keep an item for. I mean, remembering that there's some cruelty between siblings isn't the type of thing that you want to remember forever. I don't get pleasure from having been cruel. In fact, one of the reasons I ended up deep down the people-pleasing rabbit hole is I don't want to hurt other people. In fact, I used to go to personally damaging extremes to avoid hurting other people. The story about the stool is rather simple. When I was somewhere in the range of four or five and my sister was probably three, we both were brushing our teeth and standing on the stool at the same time. In truth, there's a limited space on the stool, even for two kids. So I'm not really sure why we were were not taking turns, but we weren't. I realize now that there was actually a reason I pushed her off 
which goes beyond sibling dynamics. I wanted to see myself in the mirror, and my sister was simply in the way. That evening turned dramatic because my sister cut herself, and my father had to take her to the emergency room for stitches, and my mom spent the evening trying to calm me down and get me to sleep. Though if my memory serves, I'm pretty sure that I stayed up until I knew she was home and okay. You know, some incidences are seared in our memories because they taught us something, a lesson of some sort. This incident, this story, that darn old wooden stool taught me that being seen can hurt other people. What I discovered that evening is I should not desire to be seen. It always amazes me how impactful the simple stories we tell ourselves can be. In truth, it's not just that stool. It's the compounding effect of a pervasive cultural messaging that invited me down the people-pleasing rabbit hole. And for so many of us, it's the status quo that works. It works because if you follow the rules set out by society, you don't upset the structure and you don't upset individuals which means you can avoid, or at least limit, upsetting and disappointing people. And in the moment, that just feels better. It feels safer. But over the long term, it breeds feelings of unhappiness, dissatisfaction, failure, and resentment. If you've been living down what I call the people-pleasing rabbit hole, you know the story of the mustn'ts and the musts, and the shoulds, and the shouldn'ts. It's the story of living the expected life. When I was growing up, I knew to keep a lot of things that I felt, thought, and wanted close to my chest. I internalized the messaging that I should stay quiet to avoid conflict. I discovered that I shouldn't express my desires because they seemed so far outside of the possible and that I shouldn't bother trying for the impossibles. I learned I should hide my talents, my gifts, and my passions because there was a possibility that these parts of me would end up hurting other people. I know I'm not alone. Sometimes we call this the good girl syndrome or the good girl complex. Many of us fell into a way of being in the world where we were rewarded for learning to follow the rules of shouldn'ts and shoulds. We kind of won the gold stars of emotional safety, the gold stars of avoiding criticism, avoiding rejection, avoiding conflict, and, so we thought, avoiding failure. So how do we break out of these patterns that come from personal stories, but also cultural expectations? These stories, these patterns that leave us paying attention to the mustn'ts and the shouldn'ts. Shel Silverstein was a poet with a lot of wisdom. In one of his poems, he wrote, listen to the mustn'ts, child. Listen to the don'ts. Listen to the shouldn'ts the impossibles, and the won'ts. Listen to the never-haves, then listen close to me. 
anything can happen, child. Anything can be. It is that spark of belief that anything can be that is part of the secret to climbing out of the people-pleasing rabbit hole. The truth is, it isn't easy. It's actually scary as shit. It's terrifying. It takes a kind of bravery that's reminiscent of your boldest behavior as a child, which more likely than not was something that got you into big trouble. A belief in anything can be shakes up everything you know. It has risks. And women stuck down the people-pleasing rabbit hole are not accustomed to taking risks. We don't like the sensation of criticism, rejection, conflict, and failure. But what you have likely learned over the long term is that earning all those gold stars of feeling safe were costly. Feelings of unhappiness, dissatisfaction, and resentment get stronger and stronger the more we live in the people-pleasing rabbit hole. Figuring out how to have a belief in anything can be is the most courageous thing you will ever do. You will ever do. And you know what? The truth is, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. It's taken me 50 years to acknowledge that desire, to remember that desire, to remember. I want to dissect that word with you because I want you to really understand what it means to remember something about yourself. Re is a prefix that means again, anew, again in a different way. It also means back, back to how something was before. And what does member mean? A part of a group, a part of a whole. So when I say I remember my desire to be seen and heard, I'm bringing back again a part of my whole self, perhaps in a different way. I don't think I'll be pushing off my sister off a stool to get out of the way. But I'm remembering myself. I'm putting a piece of my wholeness back together. Remembering is a process of reclaiming. Sometimes it takes an old, sturdy, wooden stool to help us remember something about ourselves. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. For someone who's been stuck deep down the people-pleasing rabbit hole, Recognition of what I want is just a beginning. Remembering and reclaiming begins a process. It requires a willingness to be curious and open to discovery. Sometimes we can do this on our own, and sometimes we need the support of a professional therapist. But when we remember, we begin to identify and focus attention on motivations that come from within us. These are motivations that don't adhere to a cultural messaging of shoulds, shouldn'ts, and musts and mustn'ts. They tap into something truer to who you are at your core. Remembering begins to open the door 
to permit yourself the willingness to experience criticism, experience rejection, conflict, and failure. We still have to be willing to take the leap of faith that anything can be, but you begin to believe that there is a different option than the false sense of safety of avoiding conflict. And in all honesty, the more you practice, the easier it gets. So let's reflect. If you are stuck down what I call the people-pleasing rabbit hole, you probably got there through the accumulative impact of mustn'ts and shouldn'ts. I won't sugarcoat it. It's tough to climb out of the people-pleasing rabbit hole. It's the bravest thing you will ever do because living in that hole feels safer than experiencing criticism, rejection, conflict, and failure. But the people-pleasing rabbit hole is a deceitful bill of goods. Unhappiness, dissatisfaction, and resentment bubble up more and more over time. Reflecting on personal stories and cultural messaging with open curiosity allows the opportunity for remembering. Remembering is a process of reclaiming wholeness. And when you reclaim parts of your wholeness, you find your desires, which originate within you, not in the external world. And that opens doors to believing that anything can be, which is one of the secrets to climbing out of the people-pleasing rabbit hole. I'm so glad you spent some time today in the no people-pleasing zone. And I hope you'll come join us for the next episode, where I'll reveal another one of the secrets and uncover why it can be more challenging than it sounds. If you liked what you heard on to, in today's episode, and you would like to read about the five ways people-pleasing women can reclaim their lives now, jump on over to reclaimingselfacceptance.com and grab your copy of Adventures in Reclaiming Your Life. We're brand new here, so if you found value in today's episode, I'd appreciate it if you share. Remember, you are worthy, you are enough, and you are everything the world re needs right now, just the way you are. I'll see you next time in the No People Pleasing Zone. If living outside of the people-pleasing rabbit hole resonates with you, hop on over to reclaimingselfacceptance.com to receive your free copy of Adventures in Reclaiming Your Life, Five Secrets Every People-Pleasing Woman Should Know Now. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast app, and we love five-star reviews, too. Okay, beautiful rebel, that's it for this episode. I hope you found value in today's content because you are deserving of more delicious, unapologetic self-love in your life. If you want to come hang out with me on social, you can find me over on Instagram at easy.martinchan or on Facebook at elizabethmartin-chan. If you haven't done so already, go hit subscribe 
so you don't miss any episodes. And if you leave us a five-star review, you'll help others discover our podcast. I'll see you next time.